Welcome to the Ascension Cast. This is the Matthew Project. What? 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 We're, we're back. We're back. Season two, baby. New Season book. Bigger and better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jared Blue. I'm Robbie Lockett. And I'm Alexander Thomas. Hello. 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 How was everyone's summer? That was sums a, it, it was up, a, I guess. It was <laughs> summer. So my summer was we haven't recorded a podcast and it's been a while. Um, I hurt my shoulder and this is my first day without my arm sling. And that was my entire summer. I did it the week after Easter. So I think I was like maybe our, like right when we recorded the last episode. And so I'm just happy to finally use my arm again. <laughs> so you're like a new person almost at this point. And my left arm is a lot stronger now. Than my right. <laughs> learned a little bit about my left-handed world. It's nice over here. Oh, I didn't know you were left-handed. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, very okay. much. So my right arm is a counterweight. <laughs> Learn new facts every day. Jared, what about you? Uh, we went to the beach a couple times, so that was good. And I feel like I need another beach trip, but, you know, not enough vacation to make that happen. <laughs> if you ever hear seagulls, <laughs> you'll know we're all at yeah, the beach recording. <laughs> yeah, we had a beach trip, a little bit of baseball, and some other stuff going on. Uh, mostly kind of a chill, boring summer, though. Nice that way. <laughs> Sometimes that's good. Um, well, we welcome you back to the podcast um, as we dive into Matthew. Um, in the today, we're going to hopefully dive into kind of more or less what is a gospel, um, and, and then also in the context of who is the author of more or less learning more about who Matthew is, the connection to the Old Testament, and then we're going to provide an outline of the book of Matthew. So I guess you know, first starting right off the top, you know, Alexander, what is a gospel? Well, I always find it helpful to remember what a gospel is every single time that we look at a new gospel. And so the first thing is um, a gospel, um, it just comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. And so the first thing to remember when we look at a gospel is that um, the book that we're reading is good news. And the reason that it's good news is because it's about Jesus. Also, um, a gospel is a type of literature and it is primarily made up of an ancient biography. And so ancient biographies are an old way of writing biographies um, that is all about painting um, a person in a certain way. And so when you read a gospel, just remember it's all about Jesus. And so every line that Jesus says, every, every movement that he does, um, any action that takes place, where it takes place, it's all painting Jesus in a particular way. Um, and the different gospels are going to kind of present Jesus in a new light. And so we want to pay attention to how here Matthew is going to arrange um, the way that he presents Jesus. And the way that I see Matthew presenting Jesus is as a new type of Moses. And so whenever I teach on Matthew, um, I'll always present like Jesus is the new Moses. And kind of the summary point to look at is where Israel fails Jesus succeeds. Um, and that's kind of the line that I will probably repeat a lot, particularly in the first couple of chapters where Israel fails, Jesus succeeds. Because Matthew begins this gospel um, by painting this picture of Jesus, connecting him all the way back to David and to Moses and to Abraham, retelling all of the story of Israel with the difference of being where Israel fails, Jesus succeeds. Um, so that's kind of what a Matthew is and why it's special, uh, or what, sorry, what a gospel is and why it's special. And for Matthew, it is presenting Jesus again as a new Moses 
and the word we use to describe that is as a Messiah. And a Messiah means anointed one. It comes from Hebrew. It's the same thing as Greek. Um, the Greek word is Christ, meaning anointed one. Messiah, Hebrew, meaning anointed one. And then Matthew kind of concludes the gospel. And in light of all of this, of who Jesus is, um, make disciples by going and teaching and baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's a gospel. Gospels are fun, but Robbie's going to go with more specifically about Matthew. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, who wrote it, where, when, why, how, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so you can kind of divide the views on authorship of the Gospels uh, into a couple of camps. You might call the first one the traditional view of the church and mm -hmm. the other being the sort of modern scholarly view. Um, with the, I, I guess it's important to say uh, in talking about how to group these Gospels and looking at the sources and that sort of thing, it, to mention the idea of the synoptic Gospels, mm -hmm. which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as opposed to John's Gospel, which sort of stands on its own little place. It doesn't interact with the other three. Uh, synoptic, another Greek word just meaning sort of same view. Uh, they, the three of them tell more or less the same story mm -hmm. with different emphases and different arrangements and things, but it's kind of the same book. Um, so the traditional view is a little easier to describe, so let's do that first. It's that the Gospels were written by the people whose names are on them. Mark, <laughs> uh, Matthew was written by the Apostle Matthew, Levi, uh, who Jesus called from his tax collector booth, said, come follow me, and he got up and did it. Uh, obviously, he had some sources because that doesn't happen until about chapter 9 or so, and there's a lot that went on beforehand. So he clearly gathered some information somehow, but then wrote it down, possibly in Hebrew originally, um, and then the version that we have uh, appears to be an original Greek composition. Um, then same thing for the Gospel of Mark, written by John Mark, who was the uh, traveling companion of of Paul at one point, and then he kind of flaked out on Paul and Barnabas, <laughs> and they got into a spat, and if we remember back to the Acts project a little bit there, uh, Mark redeems himself under the tutelage of Peter at Rome, and uh, his gospel then is a reflection of uh, Peter's apostolic teachings in Rome. Uh, Luke was the traveling companion of Paul who didn't flake out on Paul, and uh, the, the physician and um, he, as he tells us in the prologue to his gospel, he interviewed all sorts of people. Um, he may well have talked to John and even uh, the Virgin Mary herself uh, to gather a lot of that source material. Um, he writes his gospel aimed at a little bit more of the Pauline Gentile type audience community where Matthew wrote originally, it seems, for the Jerusalem community or mm -hmm. at least maybe the Syrian community close by. Um, very Jewish, very soaked in the Old Testament, very drawing out that point that so all would, of that was, that Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Would you say Matthew would then be like the gospel for the Jews? Yeah. You could call Matthew kind of the gospel for the Jews and maybe Luke the gospel for the Gentiles. Cool. Okay. okay. Uh, a more modern summation of the uh, 
that sort of traditional view then shows Mark as being like a bridge between the mm-hmm. two where Paul has this gospel. He wants to make sure that it's not going to ruffle any feathers <laughs> the same way Paul had been ruffling feathers as we saw in Galatians and in Acts. And so he takes Luke and Luke's gospel to Rome with him. They sit down with Peter who reads Matthew, which is the gospel, and along with Luke, and Mark is just sort of transcribing his commentary on the two of them together. Uh, There's a scholar, a Baptist scholar uh, named David Allen Black, who has a whole book on this. It's called Why Four Gospels. It's fascinating. Uh, And then, of course, John is later and totally kind of different. Um, (laughs) But still a favorite. Yeah. And and then, you know, sort of why do we think that 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 might be the way that these things came about? Um, Manuscript evidence is one of the things, uh, the only attributions that we have in manuscripts of these Gospels are the ones that we know today. There are no competing um, schools of thought on you know, the text of Mark actually belongs to Matthew and the text of John to Luke or anything like that. None of that exists. Every manuscript that has an attribution has the attribution that we have today. Um, And they almost all have attributions. Um, Plus, we can see very early uh, the church fathers talking about the Gospels in relation to who wrote them. Uh, And you see uh, Papias, who was the bishop in Hierapolis, which is somewhere in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. Um, He says, and he was a student of Polycarp, who was a student of John the Apostle, so, you know, pretty closely related to the the facts on the ground kind of a thing. Uh, He says that Matthew wrote first, and in Hebrew, um, Origen, about a hundred years later, echoes the same sentiment, maybe quoting Papias, maybe talking about a, a separate tradition that held the same thing, basically. Eusebius, who wrote the church history in the early fourth century, um, echoes that same sentiment again uh, and offers nothing contrary to it uh, in his survey of all the various things going on. So the tradition forms very early. Um, manuscript tradition seems to indicate that those um, authorship attributions are true. Um, however, there's some some problems. Uh, you might call it a synoptic problem uh, <laughs> that uh, start to be noticed um, when the Bible overall is looked at in a different way. Beginning, say, the 18th century or so, mostly in Germany, but also other places. Um, one of those kind of the synoptic problem is those three gospels tell the same story, but they tell it differently and they don't perfectly agree. And it seems that they can't be made to mesh. You know, Matthew has a sermon on a mount. Luke has nearly the same sermon on a plane. So was it a flat mountain? You know, what's the deal there? Just questions like that. And there's little things like that all throughout where you, you, you can't quite make them line up. And so because of people noticing that and starting to question uh, using kind of two um, academic uh, tools, mm. uh, at the time they were called higher criticism and lower criticism. So higher criticism is um, more commonly today called the historical critical method, where we 
uh, evaluate a text uh, in relation to all sorts of things that we know from either other sources, written sources, um, or archaeology, or just uh, sometimes just pure logic <laughs> of uh, trying to understand what's going on. And then lower criticism is frequently today called textual credit criticism, where you... Uh, you have competing manuscript traditions. Uh, you know, there were no digital copies. These things were all handwritten out by scribes and then hand copied by scribes. And so errors creep in, differences creep in, and the idea of textual criticism is to trace those differences and variants back to what we might be able to confidently call an original of the of the document. As those disciplines evaluate the Gospels, they come up with a very different answer for where these things came from. They put Mark first, uh, and that's because Matthew and Luke uh, both seem to quote large sections of Mark. Um, Matthew and Luke also both seem to quote large sections of something else that Mark doesn't have. Uh, the German word for source is quella, and so we call that the Q source. Uh, we have no manuscript evidence for it whatsoever other than its apparent survival in Matthew and Luke. Because they quote word for word with each other, so they're copying. It looks yeah. like they're copying something. It, it mm -hmm. looks like they're looking at the same thing. Um, of course, the, the, the old view can kind of handle that by saying, of course they are. Luke's copying Matthew. He, everybody knew it. <laughs> um, and then we don't tend to talk about the uh, authors as you know apostles or as students of apostles or things like that we talk about the sort of the Matthean community or the Lucan community uh, or the Roman community with Mark and, and or the Joannine community and those types of things um, not to say that they had nothing to do with the people with whose names they're associated but just that the idea that Matthew sat down and wrote this thing is not generally accepted among uh, modern scholars. Um, so that leaves us with the question of dating. Under the traditional view, these things all happen probably fairly early. Uh, you get at least the synoptics probably complete by the time that uh, Peter and Paul die in Rome. So by 65 or so, they're probably done. And then John is written probably later. Um, at Ephesus, or depending on whether John the Apostle is John the Evangelist, is John the Revelator, uh, maybe on Patmos, you know, who knows. Uh, with that one, there's a lot of competing traditions, but the other, the synoptics are probably fairly early. Um, the modern view tends to place things later. Uh, in some cases, that hinges on uh, the idea of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in AD 70 and the fact that Jesus accurately predicted that would happen. Uh, if you are a sort of secular scholar looking at this, you're don't, you don't really believe in prophecy. And so the fact that he got it right means that these things were written after that happened. And so if Mark has the earliest possible date as early 71, that starts to push Matthew and Luke into the 80s and 90s, or maybe even very early 2nd century. Uh, so the the sort of academic answers to those questions differ by as much as half a century from the traditional answers, and they give different attributions for uh, kind of who produced these things.
So as Robbie has mentioned already, Matthew was written for the Jews. And so, you know, as we, you know, explore Matthew, it's good to think about kind of, you know, who the audience is, what was what was going on prior to this. As we all are quite aware, Matthew starts out the New Testament, but Matthew begins 17 years chronologically, you know, in time frame um, at the conclu- from the conclusion of the Old Testament. Um, and so when we can kind of see the clear reference to the Old Testament providing um, like a, a good uh, genealogy, a good kind of, you know, flashpoint in verses 1 through 17 um, with the genealogy, with direct citations um, when you start Matthew. And it all concludes with all this took place to fulfill um, the prophets. Um, so Matthew emphasizes Christ's fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and his role as a new lawgiver whose divine mission was a com- was confirmed by repeated miracles, which we obviously are quite aware of as we look at the Gospels and we look at Matthew in particular in this case, where there is many examples of the par- of, through parables and through miracles themselves of what Jesus has done um, and will do, um, you know, for for his followers that will come after him. And so when we look at Matthew, the interesting thing about it is that you find that there are about 20 specific references to the Old Testament prophecy in relationship to Jesus. So one example would be that in Matthew, the first chapter, 22nd through the 23rd verse, and then when we look at Isaiah 7, 14, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is one of many examples of just how there is this bridge being formed. You know, you have Matthew starting out the Old New Testament, which makes it seem very appropriate in which there would be so much um, references to the Old Testament, as I noted before, in verses 1 through 17 in chapter 1. But then the sprinkling throughout Matthew of um, the references to the Old Testament, I think, is trying to form that bridge for the reader and hopefully for you as you go through Matthew of how they're all interconnected and ultimately how Jesus is serving um, as fulfilling the prophecies that have been referenced time and time again um, throughout the Old Testament. So you said there's 20 prophecies. Yeah, there are about are... 20 references directly to Jesus. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. That is awesome. Well, one way I love to look at Matthew is to kind of look at the outline of the book. Um, And that also lends itself to knowing just one reason why Matthew is in the front of our Bibles is because it was the favorite gospel. Um, It was the one that everyone loved. And the reason for that is because Matthew is actually topically arranged um, in the sense that there are five sermons or five discourses in Matthew, and they are laid out um, all topically together. And so if you want to know like, well, what does Jesus teach about how to be a good Christian or how to be a disciple? Well, go to the Sermon on the Mount. That's what it's all about. Well, what does Jesus teach about the end times? Well, go to the back. There's a discourse on the end times. And so Matthew lends itself to being a very practical book. It's very easy to um, just look through what would be a summary of the teachings of Jesus on any particular topic. Um, And the five discourses that he gives are the Sermon on the Mount, which is the one that everyone kind of knows and loves. That's in Matthew 5 through 7. But there's also the missionary discourse in Matthew 10. So if you imagine the Sermon on the Mount being kind of being initiated into the kingdom of God, 
Um, the missionary discourse, or Matthew 10, is about how we are sent out as being disciples in the kingdom of God. And then the third discourse is the parable discourse in Matthew 13. And that is um, most of the parables um, in Matthew are all there in that chapter. And then there is the fourth discourse, which is the discourse on church and community in Matthew 18, and the discourse on the end times in Matthew 24 through 25. What's really just fabulous about Matthew is you can, you can just go and look at all of these, the Sermon on the Mount, the missionary discourse, the parable discourse, the discourse on the church and community, or the discourse on the end times, to see what all of the teachings of Jesus are about any given topic. And it makes it really great. And they're all kind of related to this idea of us being in the kingdom of God. So we are initiated into the kingdom of God. We are sent out into the kingdom of God. We are taught in the kingdom of God. Conflict happens when we're a community. So what do you do in that conflict? Um, And then eventually, how does the kingdom of God come into uh, existence in the end times one is, is kind of a description of that. So Matthew is a great book for that. It's a great book for looking at Jesus Um, in relation to the Old Testament and how Jesus is this coming Messiah. It's a great book um, just as a a beloved gospel. And it's a great book just in general um, because it's a gospel and it's all about Jesus. And who doesn't want to know more about Jesus? I want to know more about Jesus. Yes, same here, for sure. (laughs) We're in agreement. (laughs) Um, So we've covered a lot here in this first initial podcast, but hopefully it served as just like a good overview um, as we begin this exploration of Matthew as a church um, through formation over the next few months. Um, But I will encourage, and I think we all three of us would encourage you um, as we go through Matthew to think about what connections are you seeing um, as you start reading Mm -hmm. Matthew? Um, What connections are you seeing to the Old Testament? connections to other parts of the New Testament, and ultimately what connections are you able to make to your own personal life and possibly are you able to make new connections within the church um, as well as enhance existing connections um, that are found here within the church. Um, and as we will all work together to um, build our, our bonds as Ascension, as a body of Christ, um, hopefully this podcast, along with the formation that meets weekly, whether in large group or small groups, all serves the purposes of, of making us better Christians, um, better people in our community, um, and just, you know, I think all right individuals, all in all. So maybe even disciples. Disciples. <laughs> I think that, that's probably important too. <laughs> um, so we look forward to you to listening to our next podcast. And you are always welcome to join us on Sunday mornings in the parish hall at 9.15. At 9 a.m. is coffee. Peace. Peace. Peace.